After reciting the Tashahud Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Isri Al-Aziz stated, that I shall continue to give an account of the lives of the Badri companions, i.e. those companions who took part in the Battle of Badr, which has been ongoing since quite some time. The first companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Qatada bin Numan Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu belonged to the Banu Zafar clan of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. His father was Numan bin Zaid and his mother was Unesa bin Tiqas. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu's title is reported as Abu Umar as well as Abu Amr and Abu Abdullah. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the half-brother of Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri, that is, they were both born to the same mother. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu had the opportunity to participate in the Bayt Akbar along with 70 Ansari companions. However, according to another narration by Alama ibn Ishaq, he was not part of those Ansari companions who participated in the Bayt Akbar, or perhaps he has not mentioned him among them. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu anhu was one of the archers appointed by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he participated in the battles of Badr, Ohad, Khandak, and all other later battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Then, on the occasion of the Battle of Ahud, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu's eye was struck by an arrow, as a result of which his eye fell out of its socket. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, my eye has come out. The fact is that I love my wife very much. However, if she were to see me like this, I fear that she may start to resent me. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, placed the eye back in the socket with his hand, 
and it was set in its place again and he regained his sight in that eye. It is said that this eye was sharper and stronger than his other eye even during his old age. And according to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had put his saliva on that eye, as a result of which it became even better than the other eye. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu himself has also narrated this very incident and states The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was given a bow as a gift and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave it to me on the occasion of the Battle of Ahud. I shot arrows at the enemy while standing in front of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, until its string broke. But despite this, he states that I remained in front of the blessed face of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Usually, we mention Hazrat Talha radiallahu ta'ala anhu in this regard, but Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu's name is also mentioned. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu then further states that I continue to stand in front of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And whenever an arrow came in the direction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, I would place my head in front of him so that I would serve as a shield for the blessed countenance of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He states that I did not have any more arrows left at that point which I could shoot, but at that moment an arrow struck one of my eyes, due to which my eye came out of its socket and onto my cheek. Thereafter the crowd dispersed, and he states that I held my eye in my own hand. The attacking party also dispersed by that time, and Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu then further states that I placed the eye in the palm of my hand, and went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, since he was not far from him. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw it in my hand, tears began to flow from his eyes, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, prayed, that, O Allah, Qatada has saved the face of your Prophet, وسلم, with his own face. Pray, make this eye of his the more beautiful and observant of the two. Thus, that eye of Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu was more beautiful and the visually more perceptive of the two. However, in the tradition which Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu has narrated himself, there is no mention of the fact that his wife will not love him because of this. The earlier account which I related was what the historians have written in order to perhaps make the incident sound more interesting. However, in his own narration of the account, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu makes no mention of his wife. But in any case, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu's eye fell out of the socket during the battle and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him placed it back in its socket and his eyesight was restored there and then. And as a matter of fact, it improved greatly and for this very reason, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu later became known by the title of Dhul Ain, that is, the possessor of the eye. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu participated alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in all the battles, including the Battle of Khandak, i.e., the Battle of Trench. And on the occasion of Fatah Mecca, i.e. the conquest of Mecca, the flag of the tribe of Banu Zafar was in the hands of Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu.
Azad Qatada radiyallahu ta'ala anhu passed away at the age of 65 in 23 Hijri and Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu led his funeral prayer in Medina. Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri, Muhammad bin Masalma and Haris bin Khazma came down into his grave and according to one narration, Hazrat Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was also among those who came down into the grave during his burial. The name of one of the grandsons of Hazrat Qatada radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was Asim bin Umar who was an expert in the field of genealogy that is, the knowledge of families, ancestries and tribes, and Alaba ibn Ishaq has related many of his narrations from him. In one of the narrations it states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had a bow that was called Qutun, and this was made from Naba, a tree from which arrows are made from. It was this very bow that broke during the Battle of Ahad by Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu due to its excessive use. Hazrat Qatada bin Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that there was a family from among the Ansar which were known as Banu Ubarak. There were three brothers, Bishr, Bushair and Mubashir. Bishr was a hypocrite and a poet and used to ridicule the companions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him through his poetry. And although he appeared to be a Muslim, but some of his actions were contradictory to this. He would attribute his statements to some Arabs and say that such and such person had said this. However, when the companions of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him heard the couplets he used to recite, they said, i.e. the companions, that by God this is the couplet of this very wretched person and these couplets are those of Ibn Ubarik. The Banu Ubarik were needy and impoverished people during the age of ignorance, i.e. prior to the advent of Islam, and as well as during the era of Islam, they did not change their state. They did not work or make any effort, and as a result of this, they were extremely poor. Furthermore, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that dates and barley were the food of the people of Medina. But once a person became wealthy and a grain merchant would bring some white, finely grounded flour from the region of Levant, this wealthy individual would purchase some of it and include it in his food. However, his wife and children would still eat dates and barley. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that once it so happened that when a grain merchant came from the region of Levant, his paternal uncle Rifa'a bin Zad purchased a sack of this white flour and placed it in his store. He also placed his weapons, armour and sword in that was committed against him in that this storeroom was looted. The thieves broke in by breaking the wall and the Russian weapons were stolen. In the morning, his paternal uncle Rifa'a came to Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu and stated that my dear nephew, I was greatly wronged last night. Our storeroom was broken into and all of our ration and weapons were stolen. We have tried to receive some information in the area and have also asked some people. And in response we were told that they saw Banu Ubarak this evening and that they had lit a fire and they believed that they were probably celebrating with our food. That is, they were probably cooking and eating the items they had stolen. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu further states that they were conducting an investigation in the neighborhood when Banu Ubarak stated that by God 
we think that the person who stole from you is Labid bin Sahab. In other words, they blame someone else. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that Labid was a Muslim and a virtuous man from among them. And so when he heard that Banu Ubarak were accusing him of theft, he drew out his sword immediately and said, Am I a thief? By God, my sword shall remain between us, or you will find out who committed this theft. In other words, he became extremely impassioned and sought to settle the matter at once. The people around him said that you are not a thief, put your sword away for we believe you, and that you are a very virtuous man. And upon further investigation, there was no doubt that Banu Ubarak had committed the theft. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu then further states that his paternal uncle said, that my dear nephew, perhaps we could have recovered my belongings had you gone to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and informed him of this incident. Hazrat Qatada bin Numan radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, that upon hearing this, he went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and presented himself before him and informed him that someone from among our own people has carried out this unjust and cruel act. He stated that they went to my paternal uncle Rifa'a bin Zaid's house and stole his weapons and ration by secretly digging a tunnel into his store, and that now we request that our weapons be returned to us, and as far as the ration and the grain is concerned, we do not need it as such. In reply, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that I will decide on this matter after having sought consultation. And so, when this news reached Banu Ubarak, they met with someone from their tribe known as Usair bin Urwa, and they discussed the matter with him and with a few other men from the local area, and they all joined together and went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and stated, that, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Qatada bin Numan and his paternal uncle are accusing someone from among us of committing theft without providing any witnesses or evidence. We are Muslims and good people. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu then further states that I visited the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and discussed this matter with him again. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that you have accused people who are good and are Muslims of theft without providing any witnesses or evidence. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a person of virtuous disposition and he states that after meeting the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and having heard what he said, he returned home and felt that it would have been better to lose some of his wealth instead of bringing this matter to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and to have caused the Holy Prophet peace be upon him such discomfort. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that it would have been better to lose his wealth than to say this to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu then states that his paternal uncle visited him and stated that my dear nephew, what have you done thus far regarding this matter? In response, Hazrat Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu informed him about what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had said to him. Upon hearing this, his uncle Rifa'a stated that Allah is our helper. And only a short while had passed since this conversation took place that the following verses of the Holy Qur'an were revealed. That is, إِنَّا أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ لِتَحْكُمَ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِمَا أَرَاكَ اللَّهُ وَلَا تَكُلِّ الْخَائِنِينَ خَسِيمًا
that is, we have surely sent down to thee the book comprising the truth, that you may judge between men by that which Allah has taught thee, and be not thou a disputer for the faithless. Here the word khainina, i.e. faithless, was used here for the Banu Ubarik. Then in the next verse it states, Astaghfirullah, inna Allah kana ghafoorur rahima, that is, and ask forgiveness of Allah, surely Allah is most forgiving, merciful. Then in the next verse, Allah the Almighty states, وَلَا تُجَادِلْ عَنِ الَّذِينَ يَخْطَانُونَ أَنفُسَهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ مَنْ كَانَ خَوَّانًا أَثِيمًا يَسْتَغْفُونَ مِنَ النَّاسِ وَلَا يَسْتَغْفُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَهُوَ مَعَهُمْ إِذْ يُبَيِّتُونَ مَا لَا يَرْضَى مِنَ الْقَوْلِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا يَأْمَلُونَ مُحِيطًا ها أنتم هؤلاء جادلتم عنهم في الحياة الدنيا فمن يجادل الله عنهم يوم القيامة أم من يكون عليهم وكيلا ومن يعمل سوءا أو يظلم نفسه ثم يستغفر الله يجد الله غفور رحيم The translation of these verses is as follows And plead not on behalf of those who are dishonest to themselves Surely Allah loves not one who is perfidious and a great sinner They seek to hide from men but they cannot hide from Allah and He is with them when they spend the night plotting about matters of which He does not approve And Allah encompasses what they do Behold, you are they who pleaded for them in the present life but who will plead with Allah for them on the day of resurrection? Or who will be a guardian over them? And whoso does evil or wrongs his soul and then asks forgiveness of Allah will surely find Allah most forgiving, merciful. Then in the next verse, Allah the Almighty states, وَمَنْ يَكْسِبْ إِسْمًا فَإِنَّمَا يَكْسِبُ وَلَا نَفْسِي وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا وَمَنْ يَكْسِبْ خَطِيئَةً أَوْ إِسْمًا ثُمَّ يَرْمِ بِهِ بَرِيئًا فَقَدْ اِحْتَمَلَ بُحْتَانًا وَإِسْمًا مُبِينًا And the translation of these verses is as follows And whoso commits a sin, commits it only against his own soul And Allah is all-knowing, wise and whoso commits a fault or a sin, then imputes it to an innocent person, certainly bears the burden of a calumny and a manifest sin. Hazrat Qatada ta'ala anhu then states that this points towards the Banu Ubarak, who said that according to them, Labid bin Sahal committed the theft. Then God Almighty further states وَلَوْلَا فَضْلُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكَ وَرَحْمَتُهُ لَحَمَّ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ أَنْ يُزِلُّوكَ وَمَا يُزِلُّونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَضُرُّونَكَ مِنْ شَيْءٍ 
وانزل الله عليك الكتاب والحكمه وعلمك ما لم تكن تعلم وكان فضل الله عليك عظيما لا خير في كثير من نجواهم الا من امر بالصدقه او معروف او اصلاح بين الناس ومن يفعل ذلك ابتغاء مرضات الله فسوف نؤتيه اجرا عظيما The translation of these verses of the Holy Quran is as follows And but for the grace of Allah upon thee and his mercy a party of them had resolved to bring about thy ruin and they ruin none but themselves and they cannot harm thee at all Allah has sent down to thee the book and wisdom and has taught thee what you knew not and great is Allah's grace on thee There is no good in many of their conferences except the conferences of such as enjoin charity or goodness or making of peace among men. And whoso does that, seeking the pleasure of Allah, we shall soon bestow on him a great reward. In any case, there can be many meanings of these verses of the Holy Quran, but they can refer to this particular incident as well. Thus, after a while, they thought that these verses were revealed about their situation. However, God Almighty disclosed the reality of the matter to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the outcome of this was that when these verses were revealed, the people of the Banu Ubarak, about whom there was suspicion of the theft, thought that these verses were revealed about them and thus admitted to their theft they then brought their weapons back to the holy prophet peace be upon him who then returned it to rifaa who was the rightful owner hazrat qatada radiyallahu ta'ala anhu further states that my uncle was an elderly man and his eyesight was weak even prior to his acceptance of islam during the age of ignorance i.e. the period prior to the advent of islam Owing to this I thought that perhaps my uncle was weak in his faith. In other words, he thought that though he had accepted Islam and became a Muslim, but he was not firm in his faith. However, when I took the weapons that had been returned from the thieves, my uncle said to me that oh my nephew, I give these away as sadqa, a charity in the way of Allah the Almighty. As Qatada radiyallahu ta'ala anhu states that at that time I realized and I was convinced that my uncle was firm on his faith and all the while i was wrong to think that he was weak in faith when these verses of the holy quran were revealed bushair one of the brothers regarding whom there was doubt that he was a hypocrite he went to join the idolaters and stayed with sulafa bin tasar and at that time god almighty revealed the following verses وَمَن يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِن بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ السَّبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمَ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن يُشْرِكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَن يَشَاءُ وَمَن يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا That is And as to him who opposes the messenger after guidance has become clear to him and follows a way other than that of the believers, 
we shall let him pursue the way he is pursuing and shall cast him into hell. And an evil destination it is. Allah will not forgive that anything be associated with him as partner, but he will forgive what is short of that to whomsoever he pleases. And whoso associates anything as partner with Allah has indeed strayed far away. And so when Bushair left Islam and went to go stay with Sulafa, who was an idolater, Hazrat Hassan bin Sabit criticized him in one of his couplets. However, when Salafa bin Tasad heard these couplets, she took his possessions and placing them on her head, threw them out of the house in an open plain. She then said that it was owing to him that they received the gift of Hassan bin Sabit's couplets. In other words, due to him they also became the target of his couplets. Sulafa bin Tasad then said that I will not receive any benefit from you that is why I will not keep your possessions in my house. And so, this was the end result of a hypocrite or idolater. Then Hazrat Abu Sayyid Khudri ta'ala anhu relates that once Abu Qutada radiallahu anhu spent the entire night reciting Surah Al-Ikhlas. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was informed about this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that I swear by him in whose hands my life, Surah Al-Ikhlas is equal to half or one-third of the Qur'an. In other words, it refers to the unity of God, which in essence is the teachings that are found in the Qur'an. It is narrated from Abu Salama that Hazrat Abu Hurairah would narrate a hadith from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in which he once stated that on Friday there comes a time whereby if a Muslim is engaged in prayer and seeks the favours of Allah the Almighty, then God Almighty will grant all that to him. Hazrat Abu Hurairah then signalled with his hands, indicating that the aforementioned time is very short. Abu Salma says, When Hazrat Abu Hurairah passed away, I thought to myself that by God, when I meet Abu Sayyid Khudri, I will certainly ask about that special hour. Perhaps he will know. Thus, on one occasion, I met him and saw that he was straightening a few canes or sticks. I asked him, O Abu Sayyid, what are these sticks that you are straightening? There were some sticks that he was arranging. To this he replied that these sticks are such that God Almighty had placed blessings therein for us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, liked these sticks and would use them whilst walking. And we would straighten them and bring them to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He then said that on one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw spittle on the floor of the mosque in the direction of the Qibla. At that time the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was holding one of these sticks and he used it to clean spittle. Thereafter the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that whenever anyone from among you is in prayer, they should not spit in front of them, as their Lord is in that direction. In other words, a person is standing before God Almighty, therefore they should not spit in front of them. Moreover, at the time not all the commandments had been revealed, 
Therefore, in this narration which is found in Bukhari, it is mentioned that one ought to spit on one's left or under one's foot. However, at the time, the area they would pray in was not fully constructed, and therefore they would put earth over it to clean it. That is why the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, advised to spit under one's feet. However, later on when the commandments were revealed and they received moral training, the director of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was that one should use their robe or cloth if they need to wipe their nose or if they have to spit. But nowadays, we have tissues and handkerchiefs and also our mosques are carpeted. Therefore, it does not mean that spitting on the floor is permissible. Rather, in those days, there was a temporary permission granted due to the situation of the time. But later on, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, clarified that if someone has to clean their nose or has to spit, they ought to use one corner of their robe then cover it and clean it once they go outside. Then the narrator of this incident then further states that on the same night it rained very heavily. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came out to lead the Isha prayer, lightning was flashing. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, saw Hazrat Abu Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu and said, O Abu Qatada, what are you doing at this hour? Hazrat Abu Qatada radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that O Messenger of Allah, I knew that very few people will come for prayer due to the heavy rain and lightning. Therefore I thought that I ought to attend and so I came early. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, when you finish your prayers, wait here until I pass by. Thus, when the prayer finished, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave a stick to Hazrat Abu Qutada and stated, This stick will enable you to see ten steps ahead of you and ten steps behind you. And then, when you enter your house, you will see the silhouette of a human. Before he speaks, kill him with this stick, for that will be Satan. Therefore, Hazrat Abu Qutada radiallahu ta'ala anhu did as he was instructed. And Abu Sayyid then further states that we have love for these sticks because the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave them to us. And we would give them to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, after preparing it specially for him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would then use them and also return them to us or give them to people as gifts. Therefore, there are many blessings attached with them and that is the reason why I am arranging them in order. Abu Salma then further stated, O Abu Sayyid, Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu once narrated a hadith to us about a special time on Fridays. Abu Salma initially went to ask Abu Sayyid this very question, but when he saw him arranging the sticks, Abu Salma asked about the sticks. That is why I mentioned the incident regarding the sticks. He then returned to his actual question and asked that according to a narration of Abu Huraira, on Fridays, a special outcomes in which prayers are accepted. And so he asked if he knew about this. Abu Sayyid Khudri replied, that I asked the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, concerning this hour, to which he replied, At first I was informed about the hour, but then, just like the night of decree, I was made to forget it. Abu Salma says that he then left and went to Hazrat Abdullah bin Salam.
The narration from Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal, which has just been quoted, mentions that there is a particular moment on a Friday for the acceptance of prayer. In regards to this, there are various other narrations from which three particular times can be ascertained. One of them is reported to appear during the Friday sermon, the second is towards the latter part of the day, and the third is that it appears after the Asr prayer. And I shall relate all of these various narrations. Hazrat Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him spoke about the Friday prayer and stated that there is a particular moment in the day which if a Muslim experiences while he is stood in a state of prayer he shall be granted whatever he supplicates from God Almighty. And through the gesture of his hand the Holy Prophet peace be upon him signalled that the duration of this particular moment is extremely limited. Then there is a narration from Sahih Muslim in which Abu Burda bin Abu Musa Ashri relates that Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar ta'ala anhu stated to him that have you heard your father narrate the hadith from the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in regards to the description of the particular moment on Friday? He replied, Indeed I have heard him. He then said that his father stated that I heard the Holy Prophet peace be upon him say that particular moment appears from the time the Imam sits down till he concludes the prayer. Then, in another narration related by Hazrat Abdullah bin Salam, in which he states that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was seated, and he asked that we read in the Book of God that there is a particular hour on Friday in which if a person seeks anything from Allah whilst in the state of offering prayer, his prayer is surely answered. Hazrat Abdullah states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then pointed towards him and said, or some part of an hour, i.e. a very short time. Hazrat Abdullah stated, indeed, or some part of an hour. Hazrat Abdullah then stated, when exactly is that hour? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, it is in the last hours of the day, in other words, when the day is approaching its end. Hazrat Abdullah then asked, does it not appear during the prayer? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied that indeed, when a believer completes his prayer but remains seated thereafter, and it is merely owing to that prayer he remains seated, then that also constitutes as part of the prayer itself. In other words, if after prayer one remains occupied in the remembrance of Allah the Almighty, one will still be considered to be in a state of prayer, and this creates a condition for one to continue seeking supplications. In another narration, Hazrat Abu Huraira anhu states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that a particular moment appears on a Friday in which if a believer is seeking good from Allah the Almighty, he surely grants him whatever good he was supplicating for. This particular moment appears after the Asr prayer. Here, the narration of Musnad Ahmad bin Hanbal states that this particular time appears after Asr on a Friday. But in another narration it states that Hazrat Abu Salma inquired from the Holy Prophet peace be upon him regarding this particular time and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that it appears in the final hours of the day. Then further expounding upon this Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states in his tafsir i.e. his exegesis of the Holy Quran that the Friday and Ramadan are similar in one respect. That is because the Friday is a day for the acceptance of prayer, as is the month of Ramadan. And in regards to the Friday prayer, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, states that if a person arrives at the mosque for prayer 
and quietly remains occupied in the remembrance of God Almighty, whilst waiting for the Imam, and thereafter calmly listens to the Friday sermon and offers the prayer and congregation, then God Almighty shall bestow his special blessings upon him. Moreover, there is a particular moment which appears on Friday in which whatever one supplicates for is answered. Hazrat Abu Hurairah relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, spoke about the Friday prayer and stated that there is a particular moment in the day which if a Muslim experiences whilst he stood in a state of prayer, he shall be granted whatever he supplicates from God Almighty. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, indicated with a gesture of his hand that the duration of this particular moment is extremely limited. This is the narration from Bukhari which has been previously mentioned and has been narrated by Abu Hurairah. Hazrat Muslim anhu then further states, One of the explanations of the Hadith which certainly needs to be given is that only such prayers will be accepted which are in accordance to the established practice of God Almighty and the divine law. However, prayers of an ill nature will certainly not be accepted. Therefore, those supplications which are lawful and in accordance to the established practice of God Almighty and the divine law will only be accepted. And while this is a great bounty, however, it is not easily achieved. The duration of Friday prayer starts approximately a short while before the second adhan, i.e. call to prayer, and ends with the salam, i.e. the completion of prayer. And even in the instance where the sermon is short, the total duration of the Friday prayer is almost 30 minutes. And if the sermon is a little longer, then the total duration can be around one to one and a half hours. Now during this one to one and a half hours, there comes a particular moment in which whatever one supplicates for is answered. However, one cannot determine whether the acceptance of prayer is in the very first, second or third minute of the sermon. In fact, one cannot even determine a single minute from the entire 90 minutes of the sermon as to which of them was the one for the acceptance of prayer. Thus, one will have to search for the entire 90 minutes. In other words, one will have to continuously pray for the entire 90 minutes of the sermon in order to succeed in achieving this moment in which all of one's supplications are answered. However, to continuously pray for 90 minutes and remain focused is a very arduous task indeed. Hazrat Muslim anhu further writes, As certain people cannot keep their attention focused for even 5 minutes. For instance, I have come here for prayer, and generally as one looks around, I happen to notice that before the sermon some people were offering their sunnah prayer, and their eyes would begin to wander here and there. The sunnah prayer only lasts for a few minutes. But even in this short duration of time, their eyes roam about everywhere, at times looking to their right or left or at the floor or then up in the heavens. Thus, if one cannot even focus their attention for two to two and a half minutes, therefore to maintain one's concentration for an entire ninety minutes and then remain occupied in prayer and the remembrance of God Almighty is certainly no easy task. Therefore, if there is mention of a particular moment for the acceptance of prayer, However, it requires a continuous and concerted effort. One has to greatly strive in order to achieve this. It is not that simple that one prays and within that very minute it is instantly accepted. In fact, one has no knowledge as to when this moment appears. Therefore, it is necessary for one to continuously remain engaged in prayer during this time without diverting their attention. And just as Hazrat Muslim has mentioned, that this is no easy task. Therefore, in order to attain the blessings of the Friday prayer, 
one needs to make great effort. Then the next companion to be mentioned is Abdullah bin Maz'un. Abdullah bin Maz'un belonged to the Banu Juma tribe of the Quraysh. His mother was Sukhella bin Amas, and he was the brother of Hazrat Usman bin Maz'un, Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'un, and Hazrat Sa'ib bin Maz'un radiyallahu anhum. And they were all maternal uncles of Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, because Hazrat Umar married their sister Zainab bin Maz'un. Yazid bin Ruman narrates that Hazrat Abdullah bin Maz'un and Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'un accepted Islam prior to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, going to Dar al-Arkam and preaching the message of Islam from there. Hazrat Abdullah bin Maz'un and all three of his brothers, Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'un, Hazrat Usman bin Maz'un and Hazrat Sa'ib bin Maz'un radiyallahu anhum, were part of the delegation which migrated to Abyssinia. When they learned of the news that the Quraysh had accepted Islam, they all returned. In relation to the accounts of previously mentioned companions, I spoke about the migration towards Abyssinia, and it was mentioned that when the persecution against the Muslims exceeded all limits, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed the Muslims to migrate to Abyssinia, and stated that its king was a just and fair man, and no one was treated unjustly under his rule. In those days there was a very strong Christian government in Abyssinia and Najashi was the king. In any case, in Rajab 5 Nadwi, upon the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, eleven men and four women migrated towards Abyssinia, and it was their great fortune that as they left Mecca and headed south, they arrived at Shueba, which was a huge port of Arabia at the time, and God Almighty blessed them in such a manner that there was a trade ship ready to depart for Abyssinia. Subsequently, they peacefully boarded the ship, and it departed from there. After arriving in Abyssinia, the Muslims enjoyed a life of peace and security and were given respite from the torment at the hands of the Quraysh. However, as mentioned by various historians, which I have also previously mentioned in reference to them, that they quickly returned. They had not spent too long in Abyssinia when a rumour was propagated which also reached them stating that all of the Quraysh had accepted Islam and that there was complete peace for Muslims in Mecca. As a result of this rumour, many of those who had migrated to Abyssinia immediately returned without pondering over the matter. And when they were close to Mecca, they learned that this news was false and was in fact a ploy hatched by the disbelievers in order to bring the Muslims from Abyssinia. Hence, they now faced a very difficult situation and while some of them returned to Abyssinia, others sought protection from some of the influential men of Mecca. However, this protection did not last long and the persecution of the Quraysh relentlessly continued and there was no place of peace or security for the Muslims in Mecca.
Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, once again instructed his companions to migrate, and discreetly they began making preparations and migrated from Mecca. Eventually, the total number of Muslims who had migrated to Abyssinia was hundred, in which eighteen were women and the rest were men. And thus this was the manner in which the second migration took place. In any case, it is stated that Hazrat Abdullah bin Mazun returned after the very first migration but it is not known whether he took part in the second migration to Abyssinia, but nonetheless he migrated to Medina. And upon his migration to Medina, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established a bond of brotherhood, Ayy Muakhat, between Hazrat Abdullah bin Maz'un and Hazrat Sahal bin Ubaidullah Ansari. And according to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Abdullah bin Maz'un and Hazrat Utbah bin Amir. Along with all three of his brothers, Hazrat Usman bin Mazun, Hazrat Qudama bin Mazun, and Hazrat Sa'ib bin Mazun radiallahu anhum, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mazun radiallahu ta'ala anhu took part in the Battle of Badr alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mazun radiallahu ta'ala anhu took part in all the battles of the Holy Prophet, including the Battle of Badr, Uhud, and Khandaq. Hazrat Abdullah bin Maz'un radiyallahu ta'ala anhu passed away in 30 Hijri during the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman radiyallahu ta'ala anhu at the age of 60. May God Almighty continue to elevate the station of the companions. Ibadallah, 